You are listening to a message from Victory. We hope it inspires you to honor God and make disciples in your community. We're going to talk about the ninth commandment today, uh, which is shall not bear false witness against another. Now, if we were in a court of law, what that would mean is you would be on the stand, so you would be called to the stand, you would get on the stand, and then you would tell a lie about the person who's in, in the court. Okay, that's bearing false witness. Another way to say that is you betrayed their trust in you. You committed an act of betrayal. So, the scripture today, obviously, Exodus twenty sixteen. that's our scripture, says you shall not bear false witness. So, don't. Don't do that. Let me tell you a little story about something that happened to me that was a very deep betrayal. Uh, before I became a pastor, uh, I was a businessman. And I owned my own company for 22 year, or 20 years. And I, uh, I, was a, I was a general contractor, so uh, I built homes there where I live in Tennessee. And uh, I built a home for a gentleman. Do I need to adjust this? Am I making y'all mad? Okay. Uh, I wasn't talking to you guys. I was talking to the tech guys, just in case. You, uh, I built this gentleman's home, and he really liked what, what I did, so he wanted to become a financial partner. Uh, I built his home in 1995, and we became... Uh, kind of business partners in 2002 or three, somewhere around in there. So a lot of years went by and we became very close uh, to the point where uh, he was a multimillionaire uh, in U.S. dollars and he really loved my family and we loved him to the point where Seth was, my oldest son was super intelligent. So we needed to pull him out of public school because he was bored to death and put him in a private school that would push him. And we didn't have the money to do it. And just one day I was talking to Mr. Jewell. That was his name, Mr. Jewell. And a couple days later he came to me and said, I talked to my wife and we want to pay for Seth's school. That's a lot of money. So we put Seth in private school. Uh, He was my mentor. He was my, uh, I mean, I went to him for everything, really. You understand this relationship? Am I making it? I mean, this was a deep relationship. Very good. And his wife and daughters, of course. Well, after we went into business or we formed this partnership on a handshake, by the way, that's how close we were. Uh, We kind of came to the terms. One day I get a letter from an attorney that he is suing me out of the blue. And that is actually on the day of my 15-year anniversary with my wife. And we were about to leave town, and I get this letter. And we were devastated. I mean, it was not a fun anniversary because we were, felt so betrayed. And we, we didn't really understand why. Because he, he didn't come to me and say, hey, you know. 
And in that letter, it stated a lot of things that he accused me of. Uh, Not keeping good records financially, uh, some other things that were just not true. The very reason why he went into business with me was because of my integrity whenever I built his house. (laughs) So it was just very odd to me. And uh, went to court. I mean, we went through depositions and a lot of going back and forth with attorneys. And come to find out that he, during a deposition, he was, uh, the truth came out, so to speak. He basically, in, in, in certain words, basically said I was innocent. Now, he didn't say he's innocent, but my attorney knew it that so it ended up not going to court thank god it still cost me about a hundred thousand dollars how many know that hurt if you don't think that hurt we need to talk afterward because i need to i need you to support me uh i mean that was devastating so it never went to court because really the truth came out to where I was innocent of all counts. Not one single thing did he say was true. And there's a lot of reasons why he did that. Uh, none of them good, but there were reasons nonetheless. But how I many know that was a deep betrayal? I mean, my wife and I, this was not, we were over it in a week. It took years to get over this. Because of what it did to us financially and just what it did to my name. Because it was in the paper. I mean, it wasn't front page, but it was in the paper because they list all, uh, all suits and stuff like that that are going to court. So it was just devastating. You know, there's another man that uh, was betrayed. One of my heroes in life. How many have ever seen the movie Braveheart? I'll tell you if this was a minute. Okay, so when I say something, you know, respond. How many have seen Braveheart? Okay, so good. How many men love that movie? How many women didn't get it? I don't know why they like that dude. Okay, here's William Wallace. I mean, didn't he look like he could be my family? I mean, come on. In my mind, I look like that, by the way. Okay, so Pastor Greg here has got a... Uh, and I'm surprised he hadn't jumped up and said this yet. He's got a, a five-year-old granddaughter who's Filipino, which he thinks makes him Filipino, which he's the furthest thing from Filipino. But anyway, whatever in his mind. But he, he told me that he has this hammer right here and that whoever comes to date little Marley in the future, that's how he's going to meet them at the door. No pressure. I met my with a gun. But anyway, it's a completely different story. Sorry. I digress. But William Wallace was betrayed. If you watch the movie, uh, Scotland and England were at war. Scotland wanted their freedom. He was the champion of that. There was also a king that was next in line, Robert the Bruce. Uh, and a battle ensued. And uh, William Wallace chased a, chased a man that had a helmet on. You couldn't see his face. And he was about to kill him. And he ripped open the mask, and it was Robert the Bruce. 
the very man that he pledged allegiance to was fighting for the enemy. And interestingly about that scene is here, think about it. Here's a warrior, right? He did many, he won many battles. Uh, his men respected him greatly. Uh, but a betrayal of somebody close to him dropped him to his knees. It took that man who had stood against enemy after enemy. It dropped him to his knees because a friend betrayed him. It also debilitated his will to fight. He just sat there. In fact, if, in the movie, he actually lays down. And he's, he's so bewildered by what just happened. To the point to where if it hadn't have been for his men that came after him, William Wallace would have died on that battleground, on that battlefield. And Scotland may have never won their freedom. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? But because a community of men that respected him and loved him came around him at a time of need and lifted him up, Scotland still, Scotland won their freedom. But it was that betrayal that put him on his knees. If you've not experienced that kind of betrayal, can I give you a, a spoiler alert? You know what that means? I'm going to tell you the end of the movie before the, you see it. You will have one. Somebody will betray you in life. And it may be someone that's the closest to you. And how many know that's a deep, that's a deep betrayal. That's not something you get over, you know, cup of coffee at Starbucks. So what are the kinds of betrayal that sometimes are committed to us? Well, what about gossip? Do you ever think about gossip as being betrayal? Now, gossip is talking to someone about a situation that they are not in a position to help. You just talking about somebody in the Christian world. Just so you know, we do this at prayer meetings. Pray for sister. So-and-so, you know, she's really blank. blank. Well, thanks for telling everybody. And really gossip is a, you're, you're doing it from the back. It's a backstabbing activity. That's what gossip is. How many like to be gossiped about? Yeah, nobody, nobody likes that. The other kind is, Slander. Slander is a is a um, a frontal assault from someone. Mr. Jules tried to slander me. It wasn't behind my back. He it was. I sat across from him every time we had a deposition. It was right in front of me. The other is unfaithfulness. Un, unfaithfulness from a spouse or a or a friend or a parent or whatever. That's a, that's a betrayal. What about self-betrayal? Have you ever met someone, because I know you have never done this, so I'm not indicting you, okay? That you live one way in your home, and then you're a totally different person in the public, right? You've betrayed yourself. You can't live two lives and not betray one of them. It's an impossibility. 
The fact is, when we lie about another person, we commit perjury in the courts of heaven. When you lie about someone, when you bear false witness, we commit perjury in the courts of heaven. What's that mean? That means that God is the... Let's just picture this courtroom scene. God is the judge. He has said this about this person. I'll use Greg for, as an example. He has said that Greg is a mighty man. He's my warrior. He's my son. He's my child. He's, my, he's all this. And then I'm over here, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming against everything that God says about him. Everybody understand? I'm committing perjury. Because I'm lying under oath. Because how many know we are not what people say we are? We are who God says we are. Thank God for that. I'd be in a lot of trouble. But the betrayal of the closest to us hurts the most. Matthew 10, 21 says, A brother will hand over a brother to death. Now, I can't imagine a brother, someone who you're close to, will hand you over to death. The closest to you sometimes hurts the worst, or most of the time does. Let's look at some examples. King David... If you know the Old Testament, King David was a great king for Israel. And he, many battles, he was the first William Wallace, I like to say. So I like King David too. Many battles he won and many, he conquered many things. And one day he, it says that when kings go to war, David stayed at home. So he was supposed to be engaged in war. He stayed at home and walking and saw a woman, Bathsheba, and asked, they went and got her, and they, is there any kids in here? How can we say, he laid with her, how about that? That's scripture. They did stuff they weren't supposed to do. And it says that she called him, or she sent word to him a little bit later on that she was pregnant. Which is, just, just so you know, I mean, I don't know how it is here, but in a, you know, where I'm from, we always say, you know, can we just like be pure before we get married? Because it'd be a lot less trouble. Okay. So David gets a bright idea. He says, here's what I'll do. Uriah is her husband. He's, he's in the battle because remember they were at war. So he sent for Uriah and Uriah came home because he wanted him to sleep with Bathsheba. So that when she became, when she started to show that she was pregnant, everybody would think that it was Uriah's baby. But Uriah was a great man. He was a good man. Because it says that he slept actually on outside the door, didn't go into his house. David, King David found word and asked him, why did you not go inside your house? He goes, the men... His band of brothers, his men, are fighting in a war, sleeping outside under the stars. So he was not going to, who am I to go in and eat and drink and be with my wife while they're in, the, while they're in battle? That's a man of integrity. So we know he was a good man. We know that he didn't deserve to be betrayed. But yet King David sent him back to battle with instructions to put him on the front line. When they came against an enemy and Uriah was killed. That's a deep, 
betrayal. Uriah never saw it coming. In fact, he lived his life in such a way that it probably should have, it should have never have happened. What about Delilah? She, everybody know the story of Samson and Delilah? My, my son cut his hair. You see the Thor hair? He cut that last week and I was like, man, I hope that does not mess you up. I hope you still play rugby the same way because my pocketbook is counting on it. Anyway, he's my retirement. Okay. Don't tell him that either. He doesn't realize that. Uh, you know, Delilah betrayed Samson, cut his hair, and all the things that happened to Samson. What about Joseph? Remember the story of Joseph who was thrown into a pit by his own brothers. They betrayed him. And finally, what about Jesus himself? Look at the scripture, if they have it, in John thirteen eleven, It says that for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew it. He knew who it was, and he knew when it was going to happen. But yet, you know, when there's a betrayal in our lives, same as Jesus, a few things happen. One, it says, the scripture says about Jesus that he was in deep distress. It, even though he knew it was coming, even though he, it still brought him distress. The other thing it does, it separates relationships. The other thing it does is it, it really compromises the community of which we live in. You know, if you, I have a friend that we vacationed together, our families, uh, we were married about the same time, so we did some anniversaries together, uh, went to Jamaica together. I mean, we traveled together. My son and his son grew up together. One day, uh, it came out that she had had an affair, deep betrayal, and it brought upon him, he was distressed. I mean, I've, I've walked a lot of men through these issues and he was, he took it very, very hard because he loved his wife very, very much. And it separated that relationship, but not only did it separate their relationship, it messed with the community that we had built. Because no longer do we go on vacations together because they're divorced. Now when I see um, when I see him, I don't see them together. He comes he still comes over our house all the time, brings his he has an adopted child from China. So he always has Addie over. But how many know that community that we had was compromised? And that hurt. That hurt my wife deeply. Betrayal is not something that is a a joyous thing to go through. Do y'all say amen around here just because you don't? Okay. I mean, usually by now people are like running back and forth. I mean, it's amazing. I'm just kidding. No pressure. I don't want anybody running. I'll tackle you. Okay. Uh, So we've listened. I've, I've told you betrayals. A lot of people in Scripture have been betrayed. But what about you? Can you think of a time in your life where you've been betrayed? 
Can you remember the pain that that caused and the distress and the, the relationship that was maybe separated and how it affected your family and your friends? How about when a spouse betrays you? You know, we stand before God and, 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 our, and our pastor and we commit to certain vows, right? Knowing that we're not going to really do all those vows 100%. There's no way. But we do our best, right? But how many know when there, a, a betrayal happens, when there is an affair, when there is uh, a trust broken in that relationship? How about this? How many parents in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, kids, I mean, when I say kids, I mean anywhere from my age, I can do this. Anywhere from 12 to like 25, okay? Maybe 26. So don't get offended if I call you kids. You're about to learn something about parents, okay? Is that okay? Yeah. We don't like when you don't do what we say. No, that's not funny. I'm not laughing at that. Okay, it is kind of funny. But you know what? When our kids are born, man, we, as parents, we have some dreams for our kids. We have some things that we want them to accomplish. We want them to serve God. We want them to pass on family traditions. I mean, we want all kinds of stuff for our kids. And then there comes that moment when they begin to think that they're smarter than their parents. And then they want to go their own way and, and, and journey their own way. And maybe they walk away from God. And maybe they do things that you did not raise them to do. Can any parent agree with that? Thank you, the three that agreed. That's a betrayal to a dream that we've had. And it hurts. It really, my, my oldest son as of right now, has walked away from God. And with that went all kinds of dreams and all kinds of stuff that my wife had. And it still hurts. It hurts bad. That's a deep betrayal. What about when we betray the ministry that God's called you to do? That's a betrayal. God has gifted you. God has given you talent. God has given you all kinds of stuff to fulfill the verse before what he read for the offering, Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody knows it, that God's got plans for you and there are plans to, to prosper you and to give you hope. But yet, what about when we don't do those plans? That's a betrayal. Do you realize that? It's a betrayal to a calling that only you can do. Nobody else on the planet can be you. And nobody can accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. What are we to do in all these when we betray when we've been betrayed? Well, I got sort of good news for you. You may not think so, but it is good news. We're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Scripture even says in Matthew, it says, if we don't forgive others, when they forgive us of our sins, then our Heavenly Father will not forgive us of ours. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? Now, the thing about that scripture is, because people will say, well, I thought, that, I thought that God forgave everybody their sins. 
He does when it comes to salvation. When you come to God and say, look, I'm a bonehead and I don't need to, I'm, I'm terrible and I need a savior. He wipes our sins clean. Does everybody agree with that? That scripture that I just alluded to about forgiveness is actually Matthew 6 and it's after the Lord's prayer. So guess what? This is a family situation now. Our father who art in heaven, right? So now he's our dad and now we're not doing something that our dad asked us to do. How many know that's a problem? In my house, that's a problem. If you don't do what dad says. So it's like, have you ever owed anybody money? And everybody, everybody owed anybody money in here? Okay. And you saw them in public and you didn't have the money to pay them back? What do you do? Stuff like this. I hope they don't see me. Why? Because there's a wedge in that relationship all of a sudden. There's a discomfort in that relationship. So when we don't forgive others, whom we've been forgiven a lot, how many have been forgiven a lot? I have. When I withhold forgiveness from those that creates, how can I pray to a God? How can I go talk to my dad whenever I know that he's done something for me that I'm unwilling to do for somebody else? That's a wedge in a relationship. The Bible also says that if you have an offering and you come to the altar and there you remember that someone has something against you. This is not you having something against somebody else. This is you know that there's an issue. It says to leave that offering at the altar and go get reconciled first. Then come back. Do you know why that is? Because, because God is trying to show us that relationships are important. Being reconciled is important. Putting relationships at their right value is important. So much so that God doesn't even want your gift unless you go reconcile. You know, Mr. Jewell, you know who I talked about first that, that we went through that. You know, a couple years later, I was watching Shawshank Redemption. Everybody see Shawshank? What a great movie. There's a scene in there where Andy has um, broken out of prison and Morgan Freeman is left there by himself. And he was talking in the movie and he made this statement. He goes, I guess I just miss my friend. And something about when he said that, it, it stuck with me. And I immediately thought about Mr. Jewel and I said, you know, I miss that guy. I mean, I don't. I don't care what went on. I just miss him as a person. I miss him as a mentor. I miss him as somebody that was much older than me that lived the life that I could go and ask him and he could help guide me. I just missed him. And all of a sudden, being right or wrong didn't matter. Reconciliation mattered more. So I, set, I wrote him a letter and basically I took responsibility for what happened, my part in what happened. And this is what I said. I said, you know what? I could have done things differently. I look back now, many years later, 
I'm a little bit wiser. And I tried to put myself in his shoes and see his side of the story. Whether he, I felt he was deceived or not, didn't matter. Again, being right was less important than being reconciled. Now, married people, you should learn this. Uh, in my house, you know, right or wrong, you know, we get into a discussion. I don't know how y'all discuss, but when my wife and I get into a discussion, and that discussion, you know, is a little intense, which doesn't mean we yell, it's just intense discussion. You know, if I'm worried about my, me making a point or me being right, guess where I sleep that night? The couches were never made to sleep on, by the way. They were made to sit on. But when, I, when we're in a tiff like that and I'm worried about being right, there's a conflict in that relationship all of a sudden. Now, if I'm worried about just being reconciled to my wife, I'll take the hit. I'll take some blame because I'm going to sleep in my bed. I mean, my bed is comfortable. I like sleeping. So, Mr. Jewell, I wrote him the letter, took some blame, told him I apologized, told him I was sorry, and I just really missed him. Three days later, I get a a letter from him, and basically, he uh, said, we'll never be reconciled. Man, that, it was just like, the wound opening up all over again. I let it go two years later, or about three years later. I write him again. And Mr. Jewell was adopted himself, uh, and so we had adopted Hallie, and I just, I thought maybe that's a, a good entry point, you know, let him know that, hey, you, because really he did influence us to adopt because we had talked about his life. So I wanted him to know that. And I, a very heartfelt note again. Three days later, get another letter from him. We will never be reconciled. So at that point, you know, the scripture says, do everything you can to keep the bond of peace, right? So I just felt, I mean, I went and talked to my pastors and told them what I'd done. I wasn't on staff yet told him what I had done, and they said, you're, you're released. I mean, my gosh. I mean, what's a man got to do to get, try to get reconciliation? But you know, the point is, is that it was my responsibility to try to reconcile that betrayal. If we don't, if we don't reconcile these betrayals, here's what happens. We self-indict and self-sentence ourselves to a life without peace. That's a self-inflicted wound all of a sudden. So think about your own life real quick. Think about the betrayals that have been committed to you. Now think about the betrayals that you've committed to others. If you don't think that you've committed a betrayal towards someone else, if you don't think that you've been a false witness then afterward I want you to come up here and we're going to cast pride off of you. Because all of us have done it. That's Really, that's at the end of the day. All of us have done it. It's been done to us and we've done it to others. So what's the steps? The first step is to ask God for forgiveness. 
Ask him to heal that pain and that hurt. You know, it's funny about my older son. I wish I could describe the pain to you that my wife and I feel and the betrayal. But you know what? I've made a decision that I'm not going to let that betrayal affect my relationship with him. The funny thing is we're probably closer now than we have been in a long time. And we're at completely two ends of the spectrum. That's the power of a, of a person that wants to be reconciled. God wanted to be reconciled with you so bad, he let his own son die so you could have the opportunity to be reconciled to him. So think about it. Think about the betrayals. Think about the ones done to you and the ones that you've committed. In fact, let's everyone close their eyes so nobody's looking around. Because this is a moment. Here's the great thing about God. God always gives us chances and opportunities and choices to change. But we can't be so worried about changing the other person that we don't change ourselves first. We have to change ourselves first. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to be reconciled. Or at least be put in a position where it's even possible. Greg, join me up here. Think about it. Think about the pain that it's caused. Think about the relationships that it's broken. The community. Now as you're thinking about it, here's the great thing. God sees it and God can heal it. That's the first step. And you know what? If you do this, if you do this here today, greatness greatness awaits you actually. The greatest days of your life, you will not take betrayal into them. Because that's all you'll be thinking about is that betrayal. But forgiveness wipes that, wipes that slate clean. It says, man, I can go forward in life and not, this not hinder me. One of the things that, before we pray, one of the things that we've been talking to men about all week is is the importance of stepping up meeting challenges meeting the call of God responding to his call to be true men in this day in this hour and the other thing we've been communicating is the need for men to be healed of the things that are keeping them from responding to God's call to authentic manhood. And one of the truths that comes out with Pastor JT today is that God wants to not only restore those in this room who have experienced betrayal, and some of you are hurting today, some of you are, you know, you're, you're, you're holding up, but you really are hurting because of what someone did to you. But there's another 
segment of you that are hurting because you were the betrayer. You're sitting there and you're recognizing, feeling guilty over the fact that what you did caused others to be like William Wallace, to give up the fight, to give up on their destiny and give up on life. I want to share just for a second about David because, you know, when David committed his sin, he went from being this untouchable great general, this this amazing anointed man of God and literally within a few days he lost every bit of what he had gained up to that point so much so that he was blinded to even what he was doing to Uriah he was blinded to to the circumstances around his life he didn't see that everything he everything around him was falling apart which is unfortunately the case when we are the betrayer why am I bringing this up because today I don't want you to leave this room whether you're the betrayed whether you're the whether you're the betrayer the same I want you to leave this room free yeah it's our last speaking engagement here at least during this trip and I just it, you know, in my heart, I, I just, you know, we've been screaming at people all week, <laughs> screaming at men all week. And, but this is really fun that God's allowed us to just be in a sweet moment where he does something unique to free his people. There's something about betrayal. When you are the betrayer, you become blinded in such a manner that God needs to take extra measures to get you to the place where you wake up to what you've done. And in David's case, he sent the prophet Nathan and Nathan told him a story. So God actually tricked him to the place where he could actually understand the delusion. And, and David said, David actually cast judgment on himself. Because Nathan told him a story about a used sheep and, and, and David said, David said his own judgment. And Nathan turned to him and he said, you are that man. And when he said that, the blindness fell. When he realized, when David realized he was that man, when he came to that acknowledgement, the blindness fell. And what happened? David went on to become whom God's called the man after his own heart, which shows you the commitment that God has even when we are just rotten to the bone. We have no clue in this room the great extents to which God will go to make sure that we stay in this Christian experience. And so JT and I want to pray for you, regardless of where you are. If today you feel blinded, you see David was stopped that moment. That very moment, David stopped progressing. The minute he betrayed, he stopped progressing. It was only through the love of God and the message that came through Nathan that David was reinserted into the life that God had called him to. 
Maybe today you're stagnant. Maybe today you're not going anywhere. Maybe today you're wondering, why is it that nothing is working? Nothing is happening for me. It used to be this way. And all you do is, li- all you do is live in the past because there's nothing in the future that brings joy. Maybe it's because you need in this moment to be freed. You know, one of the, remember I said if you do this, greatness can come. You know what happened after David repented and got his life right back? You know what happened? The son that, that Bathsheba had, the firstborn, died. David repented, and guess what happened? Solomon, one of the greatest men that's ever lived the planet. All because a man was willing to go, you know what? I was wrong. I need... I, I'm not worthy of this. And humbled himself and let, and let God do what God does best. And that's heal a heart. That is what's in store for you today. If you'll just let it go. Like Greg said, whether, the be, whether you've been betrayed or you are the one that betrayed others. Bow your heads. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you've sent your blood, that there's no sin that is too big for you. And today I acknowledge mine before you, whether you're the betrayer, whether you are the one that has been betrayed today, let the Holy Spirit come upon you and give you forgiveness for those who have done this terrible thing to you. And also... If you've been the betrayer, simply ask the Lord for forgiveness. And let His anointing restore you, take off the blinders, and set you back in motion. And especially I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is here doing healing in many of you who have experienced relational marital betrayal. Lord loves you. He has compassion on you. He cares for you more than you'll ever know. And He wants you to go beyond. He wants you to go beyond just dealing with it. He wants you to go to the place of absolute, complete, and total liberty. Lord, heal the soul right now in this moment. Heal. Heal the soul of, the, of your women. Heal the soul. And restore, O oh God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.